Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Hey, what I want us to do is uh, I want to remind us real quick of where we've been. And uh, so we've been in a series that we're, we've called uh, uh, The Road Ahead. And the idea behind that is, is we've started the new year, and we got this, this year ahead of us, right? And if we don't make plans, then where are we going to be? We don't really know where we're going to be or where we're going to end up. or We just kind of aimlessly walk through the year. Now, I realize that's not entirely true, right? Because we're still going to work. We're still doing things with our family. But when it comes to our walks with Christ, we need to constantly have a plan. Because it can get lost, right? It can just get, suddenly we get to, you know, midway through the year. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I just haven't been spending time with the Lord. I haven't been this. The, the sin crept back in my life. Whatever it happens to be. Pretty soon we realize we never made a plan to move in our relationship with Christ. Jason did a great job talking about a plan to grow and that it's our responsibility. The Lord has given us authority to grow in our relationship with him, right? That he's going to prompt that. He's going to bring that about through the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach us, but it's our job. We have the authority to go make the plans to grow, to step in to what it means to grow, to go do the things that are required to grow. And then we talked, uh, uh, we talked last week about making a plan to belong and that the Lord gave us the body of Christ. And we talked about what that looks like and, and why it's so important that we make plans to be involved with the body of Christ, not just to show up and attend, but to belong to one another. And we looked at that. This morning, I want to look at what does it mean to prioritize, to have a plan to prioritize. And we just broke it down into, into really three simple things, okay? Uh, the first of the day, the first of the week, and the first of our finances and resources. And as I looked at that, I think you're going to see that that pretty much involves our whole life. And we're going to walk through that. But every part of that needs to be uh, planned, a plan to prioritize. What is going to be the first thing? First things first. What's going to be the priority of our relationship with Christ that should then be the priority of our lives. So a question I want us to start with before, before I uh, open up this morning when our time in the Word and our time in teaching with prayer, I want you to think about this. If you had to look back on 2018 and you gave yourself a little survey, I gave it to you there in your outline. It says, what kind of year was it for you spiritually? Remember, in order to plan where we want to go, we're going to take some time and plan where we've been. We're going to take some time and ask the questions, did we accomplish what we set out to accomplish last year? Or uh, how did we end up in our relationship with Christ? How did we end up as we relate to one another? How do we end up living out our relationship with Christ? Any of those questions that we might want to ask. And so would you call last year, would you say you were spiritually apathetic? Or would you, uh, maybe you would say, hey, I was kind of just inconsistent in my walk with Christ. That's probably more like what I was. I wasn't apathetic. I was working towards it. Apathetic. Apathetic, and I didn't really do much. I didn't really care that much. I was there. I showed up once in a while. I just, and I knew I had a relationship with God. I just didn't put much into it, right? Or inconsistent, it was on and off, on and off, on and off. I, I, you know, it's kind of that three steps forward, five steps back type thing, on and off. Or would you say, I was spiritually consumed. Like, I just, I was so consumed with God. 
Like, I just wanted to know him more. I wanted to grow more. I was dependent upon him. I couldn't stop praying. I couldn't stop learning. I couldn't get enough of the word. And even if you found that there were inconsistencies in that, you would put a checkbox by the one that says, yeah, I was consumed by the Lord last year. Okay? So maybe sit there with that for a minute. We got put the same quote we had last week, which was, a good plan is like a roadmap that shows the final destination and usually the best way to get there. We need to evaluate where we were and where we want to be and make a plan to get there. And so, Lord, as we talk about that, as we look into your word, as we look at what you had to say about the first of our day and the first of the week and the first of our finances and resources, we look at that, Father. May we be consumed by you. May we have a 2019 that is absolutely consumed by living for you. In one of the most outrageous ways that we could ever imagine and that we would surrender our life to you every day. So Lord, as we talk about that, move in our lives, may your word come alive, may it absolutely transform our hearts. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. In Matthew 6, it says this, But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That comes at the end of a passage that first starts talking about literally our money and, and, and what the value we place on our money and our resources. And that you can't wind up serving two masters. You're going to serve one and deny the other. And then Jesus, in his wisdom, goes right into worry. Because right, if we don't serve money, if we don't serve our resources, then what's going to happen next? Well, we're not going to have something to eat. We're not going to have a place to stay. We're not going to be able to provide for our families. We have to be consumed about these things. And Jesus, in his wisdom, goes right into that and said, Are you kidding me? The birds of the air, the lilies of the field, are not you worth more than they? And yet, the Lord provides for each one of them. And he's saying, so don't worry about it. He goes, those that don't know the Father, those that don't trust the Father, those that put their focus on the things of this earth, worry about that. Those that have put their focus on the Father and his provisions and his sovereignty, oh, don't you worry about a thing. He will meet every one of your needs. And as Jesus worked his way through that, and for most of us in here, we've read that passage. It's the famous passage about worry. Don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough worries of, it, of its own. And as he works his way through that passage, he ends with that verse we just read. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. The Lord will meet every one of your needs. Put your sights on the kingdom of God and let him meet every need that you have. There's a priority that is supposed to be placed in our life, and Jesus gave it to us. First priority of our life, set your sights on God and what he's doing. Set your sights on what he says first things are first. Set your sights on that which he said is great and good. Set your sights on him, and he will calm your heart, and he will take care of your worries, and he will take the grip of that anxiety that has gripped you, and he will begin to free you from it. So let's start with that. First things first. The first day of the week. I mean, the first of the day. Sorry, the first of the day. Seek God. In Psalm 63, 1, it says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
The psalmist is literally saying that my thirst, my, my soul thirsts in such a way that it's just like if I was in a desert that had no water. It's just like I was in the midst of a drought that I could not get anything to drink. I am thirsty for the Lord. And that I'm going to wake up in the morning and the only way to satisfy that thirst is to be in the presence of the Lord. It's to be in the presence of the Lord. To start our day off. Now, you're going to hear me talk about a few things. Here's what I'm not saying. We don't really find in Scripture. We find far more evidence for starting our day with the Lord than ending our day with the Lord in terms of right, getting into the Word and prayer. But there is nowhere in Scripture that it says that's the only way to do it. And if you're going to have a relationship with Christ, well, you better get up at 4 a.m. and get it going. Otherwise, you don't have one. You're, we don't find that in Scripture anywhere. We don't find that there is only one way to interact with God. We don't find that there's only, there's only one time that he's awake and you're awake, right? We don't find that at all. But what we do find consistently over and over and over again that there is something special about starting your day off with the Lord. There's something that prioritizes the day in a way that Nothing else does by starting it with the Lord. There's something that sets your foot upon the path for the day that is not the same as when you close the day out with the Lord. Should we close the day out with the Lord? I sure, sure hope so, right? I, I sure hope so. But there's something special about seeking the first part of the day with the Lord. And some of you are like, you don't get it. I wake up at 2, have to be to work at 4. Well, that's fine. Then maybe it's going to happen at your lunch break. Maybe it's going to happen at your, at your first break of the day. Maybe you'll just get up, you, you, you normally get up at 2, you're getting up at 1.30. And you're like, that's ridiculous. I agree with you, by the way. That would be ridiculous. But maybe that's what you do. But it's that first part of the day. And here's what we want to do. We've talked about it over and over again. I'm going to go through this point rather quick because we talk about it so much, and we're going to continue to talk about it so much. What does it mean to seek the Lord with the first part of your day? Seek, it, seek the Word. Seek Him in the Word. Listen to what Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says. The very first psalm we have recorded. Listen to how it starts. Blessed are the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. Stand, I'm sorry, stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Okay? Blessed are the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. To be in the word is to begin to put our attention and our focus on all that the Lord is doing in our lives, right? In his commands for our life, his purposes for our life, his authority for our life. Everything in here is God's direction to us. Everything in here describes the character of God. Everything in here describes the relationship that he wants with us, and everything in here describes the relationship that he wants us to have with everyone else. So we wake up in the morning, and the first thing we want to do is meditate on the word of God. The first thing you want to do is to open it up. Maybe you grab your cup of coffee. You sit down somewhere in that special place in your house. Or maybe it's at a coffee shop. Or maybe it's at the, the break room of your office. Or maybe it's in your car before you go into work. But you open up the word of God. And you begin to read it. Because it is the very breath of God given to you. 
right? That's what we have to remember about the Word of God. The Word of God is His bread and His nourishment to us. The Word of God is truly water to a thirsty soul. And it will satisfy you. But you need a plan. So maybe you have one of the 365 plans that we've put together. Maybe you have that. Maybe you're going to read a chapter of the, uh, 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 of the Word, part of a book. You're going to be reading all the way through that book. Uh, maybe you're going to read it a little bit like the newspaper. You're just going to read through it until something really grabs your attention. And then you're going to meditate on that. Maybe you're going to move beyond reading it like newspaper. You're going to begin to study it and take account of what it says. And you're going to begin to make observations about what it says. Maybe you're going to begin to journal what it says. Maybe you're going to begin to actually meditate on a certain portion of it, that you'll read a, a larger passage. But maybe throughout the day you're going to focus on two verses or even one verse. Uh, maybe you're going to begin to memorize a part of a verse or a whole verse. Maybe you're going to walk away and say, okay, this passage was really all about this, and so I'm going to live this out today. I'm going to practice. It's going to be the first thing on my mind as I go throughout my day. I'm going to practice what this passage has said. It's going to order your interactions. It's going to order your time throughout the day. It is going to make you mindful of God's priority for that day as you start out in the Word of God. Prayer. In Mark 1.35, we see part of numerous times that we're told that Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus <clears throat> got up, left his house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, who was in constant communication with God, still got up early in the morning and went and prayed. Sit, sat quietly with the Lord, listened to him, took in his words for the day, expressed his communication for the day. And it was more than just request, right? It was more than just request. Our prayer time, our time with prayer in the morning needs to be more than just, well, here's the five people I'm praying for. But instead, we're going to ask God to, to speak to us and help us to know what, what he wants us to know for today. We're going to listen intently for his voice, and maybe it'll show up through the word of God. Maybe we'll actually hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe we'll hear a direction from the Lord. Maybe we'll begin to hear that, hey, today I, I need you to talk to so-and-so. And you're like, that doesn't even make sense. And you're going to call him. How many times have you, have you felt, I got to call, call Tom, right? I got to call Tom. And you don't do it. And the next day, I got to call Tom. I really got to call Tom. And throughout the day, you're like, I got to call Tom. And all of a sudden you do it and you find out there was this major thing taking place in Tom's life. And you begin to talk to him. And you begin to work through it. And the whole entire time you're beginning to realize that was the Lord directing my steps to do something just like that. And it's that moment in prayer that we begin to be even more attentive to the Lord's voice. We begin to be even more aware that he's speaking to us. We begin to, we begin, he begins to unpack the word that we just read. And we begin, it begins to sit with us in an even stronger and deeper way. Maybe you start to journal, and you journal the things you feel like the Lord's telling you. You begin to journal your prayers back to him. You go to him. And you tell him your fears. You tell him your hopes. You tell him your dreams. And you ask him to speak into them. What about the, what about the appointment you're supposed to have this week? What about the appointment with the doctor you're supposed to have this week? What about the appointment you're supposed to have with the salesperson this week? What about the one you're supposed to have with the boss this week? Instead of just asking him for a favor, which is great to do, instead of just asking him to protect that time, which is amazing for him to do, what if we went a step further and said, Lord, how can I be an influence in that meeting? How can I be kingdom-minded in that meeting? Lord, 
will you show me if there's a way for me to share my faith in that meeting? I got a text from somebody saying, hey, I'm about to go out to breakfast with a, a couple friends of mine. Can you pray for that? And I wrote him back. And I went, yeah, I'll pray for that. I go, speak about Jesus because it's better than the bread you're about to eat. And he goes, that's the point. So he was just going to breakfast with some friends. And he's like, Lord, would this be a platform? Can you give me influence? And if you do that at the beginning of your day, now you're having this dialogue with the Lord. Let me challenge you this. And I've challenged you before. It won't be on your notes. But create a, a plan to pray. And so part of that plan is not just getting away for the first part of the day, but maybe you start with Acts, which is maybe you, you go through the Acts prayer, which I've shared with you before, right? Adoration. I start by adoring God. He is on the throne and I am not. And I talk about his holiness. And I, 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 I remember his righteousness. I remember the things he's done in my life. And that causes me to get to a place of confession, right? Because, oh my goodness, you are righteous and you are holy and I am not and I have not. I have not acted that way this week. I have not, my thoughts have not been centered on that. And all you have to do is contemplate the Lord's holiness and speak to him about his holiness and righteousness and you will quickly be, you will see and sit with your unrighteousness. And so you go into this place of confession, which immediately takes you to this place of thanksgiving, right? Because the Lord forgives you. We don't sit being bashed or shamed or we don't sit guilty before the Lord because he forgives us and renews us and restores us, which brings us to the most incredible place of thanksgiving. And now we're not just thanking him because we had something to eat. Now we're not just thanking him because our bills are paid. We're not just thanking him because uh, we made it home safe. Now we're thanking him because he has given us freedom. We're thanking him because he has forgiven us for what we did. We're thanking him because he didn't just forgive us, but restored us. We're thanking him because he still wants to use us in people's lives. And now it's a whole different attitude while we're praying. And suddenly that brings us to a place of, called supplication, which is, just means request. That's where we go to him on behalf of others or even behalf of ourselves. But now as we've contemplated his glory, as we've remembered our confession, meaning getting ourselves out of the way, as we've thanked him for his influence in our lives, it brings us to this place where we're saying, Lord, but I want your will to be done. Father, here's the things I'm requesting, but what I want is I want what you want, and I want it your way. And it brings about a whole different emphasis of our prayer, and we begin to have a plan for our prayer life. And what about our schedules? So if we're going to give them the first part of our day, we're going to give them our word, we're going to be in the Word for the first part. We're going, to, we're going to be in prayer, interacting with Him. And then we're going to say, Lord, and here's my day. I woke up pretty anxious. I woke up with a whole lot of plans. In fact, you know, I had to send out some emails before you and I had a conversation. Really? Couldn't stop hanging on. And I want to open it up to you. And Lord, what I really want you to do is I want you to, I want you to order my day for me. I want you to order my interactions for me. I want you to give me influence with people. I want there to be a platform. I want you to take the things that I think are crummy, and I want you to show me how they're good. I want you to take things I'm worried about, and I want you to show me how you can use them. I want you to take the things that I would gladly throw away and show me why I should keep them. In fact, I've told a couple people that I can't meet with them today. Should I have done that, Lord? Should I, should I instead call them back and see if they still have time? Lord, I told the boss I'd work overtime. Should I really be doing that? Should you ask the Lord something like that? You should totally ask the Lord something like that. You should absolutely ask the Lord those type of things. Let him order your day. And here's what you're going to find out. He made commitments. The Lord wants us to keep our commitments. Right? That's part of our word that's being trustful. 
But you might find that you've been ordering your commitments wrong when you leave your schedule to him. You might find that every day you tend to hear the same thing. This is what I want you to be about, but there's this thing in your life that you might end up having to get rid of so that you can be about this that God wants you about. That you open your schedule to him and allow him to ordain your day. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this. So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. James 4 says this. Well, first of all, in Galatians 5 that we just read, right? If we're bringing our schedule and our, and our goals for the day and all that we have before us, we're bringing them before the Lord and we're letting the Lord judge if they're the best or the not, is he also not going to judge that which is of the flesh and that which is of him? Is he not going to judge that which will lead us down a path that will, will grow closer to him or that which will lead us down a path where we'll go further away from him? It gives us the opportunity to hold captive that which we've planned for today and to say, Lord, is this the best? Is this going to help me to grow closer to you and help me to help others grow closer to you? It gives us a chance for our life to be absolutely according to God's purposes. James 4, 13 through 16 says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What a sober thought. We are so attached to our schedules and our plans and the priorities that we place on the day and the year and our future. And yet, Scripture's telling us right here, many of times over in different parts, but we're reading one part, and it says, your life is but a mist. It's like a vapor. Why not ask the one who is outside of that vapor, who is eternal, who is always present, present past, present now, and present in the future, right? Always there. Why not ask him what the best plan for today and the best schedule for today and the best priorities for the day? And he continues, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Right? So what's that getting at? First of all, we make our plans and you'll see on your outline that Proverbs 16 says, but the Lord directs our steps. We have to go to him and allow him to direct our steps. We have to go to him and surrender our schedule to him. We have to go to him and surrender our plans and say, Lord, do direct those. And then when he does, James gives us that final little tidbit there. Once he directs it, act on it. Act on it. To know what is right and not to do it, that is a sin. Once the Lord directs us, guides us, arranges our life, act on it. So give him the first part of the day. You're going to be in the word. We're going to be in prayer. And we're going to give him our schedule every day. And watch the shape that this year takes. Watch how consumed you get with the thoughts of the Lord, the things of the Lord, his plans and purposes. We're going to give him the first week, first day of the week. We're going to give him the first of the week for what? Worship. We're going to give him the first of the week for worship. You see, last week we talked about it a little bit. What's one of the priorities if we're going to belong together? We're going to meet together. Right? Here we call it gather, grow, go. Right? We're going to gather together. Small groups, larger groups, we're going to gather. For what purpose? So we can grow up in our relationship with Christ. What's going to happen when we grow up in our relationship with Christ, learning all that Jesus commanded us, is that we're going to go out into the world and share that very thing. 
So we got to gather. And what better way to gather than to gather on the first day of the week, setting a priority for what's going to happen throughout the week, setting a priority for who is first. I was going to take time today and really unpack and talk through the Sabbath, but I decided that we're going to do that a different day. But it really is setting aside a day that's a Sabbath unto the Lord, a day of rest, a day of worship, a day of focus on God. We got a day of focus for all sorts of things. Monday through Friday, we focus on work and other duties and other chores. Maybe Saturday, we focus on house, the house and getting things done. Maybe we so focus on having some fun or going here, going there. And then could it be that Sunday, the first day of the week, as we're getting ready to go back into the rest, that we set that day aside and give it to the Lord, the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7 says, The first day of the week came together. The first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept talking until midnight. This is the passage where the young man was sitting in the window, right? And Paul kept talking and kept talking. You guys should be grateful. I know you think I talked for a long time. Try being in that room. And he just kept talking. He's like, hey, I'm about to leave. I got to talk some more. And he's talking. The kid falls asleep, right? What happens? He falls out the window and dies. Woo! I hope that never happens here, right? However, what did he do, right? He goes out, and the Lord blesses him, and he he heals him. He, the kid raises the life. How amazing was that? God's great power. But what I want you to see in there is they gathered. They gathered for worship. They gathered for, to have a meal together. They gathered to listen to the word being taught and to speak the word to one another. They gathered in prayer. They gathered together. And they did it at the first part of the week. Now, there's some reasons for that. Saturday, they gathered uh, they still celebrated the Sabbath, and they gathered in the temple, and they gathered with other Jewish believers. Because remember, even though these were Christians, they were still Jewish Christians, and they were still practicing the, the, different, uh, the different parts of the, the, the Jewish worshipful expression. And so then they gathered on the first day of the week as Christians gathered together, and they began to learn and, and be together. And that was one day where everybody was going to get together. And we also learned last week that there were many other days Matter of fact, on almost every day of the week, they gathered at different times and in different ways. But they gathered together in more of a formal assembly on the first day of the week, which is what we do. So here's what I want to focus on today, because last week we focused on some other parts of our gathering. Today I really want to focus on worship. And here's what I want to do. We focus on worship, and I put on there that our thankful or grateful response to who God is and what he has done. If we had to come up with a definition of worship, we had to come up with a definition, which is a, a, a devoted expression, which is a, a total abandonment of ourselves towards something or someone. That when it comes to God, we could potentially use this very definition as having a common definition among us. It's our thankful or grateful response to God for who he is and what he has done. We cannot worship without engaging our understanding. We cannot worship without engaging our intellect. We cannot worship without engaging our emotion. Without engaging our emotion. It's meant to be twofold. I cannot have a total devotion to God or a total devotion to any person without having an emotional response to that. I just want you to think about it for a minute. Many of us in here are married. Can you be devoted to your spouse, truly devoted, without having an emotional response to them? 
Can you be truly devoted to your spouse without having an intellectual response? I don't care how much I want to be devoted to my wife. If I don't know anything about her, I'm not going to be devoted to her. I might be devoted to our marriage. I might be devoted to a vow I made, but I won't be devoted to her. I won't be devoted to loving her, to caring for her, to adoring her. If I don't know anything about her, how in the world can I adore her? If I don't know how she acts or responds, how can I have any type of devoted relationship to her? Right? And we know that's true for the people we interact with, so would that not be true for God? So we come in here on Sunday mornings as we gather collectively as a corporate group, and we have songs, and we even call that worship. That's fine. Until we engage our mind, and until we engage our emotions, it's nothing more than a song. It's nothing more than a song. And, and it's nothing more than instruments being played, and they're doing nothing more than reading charts and notes and, and dots and dots on a page and whatever they're doing. And they're doing nothing more. And as a group, we're doing nothing more than trying to blend our voices. And we're going, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a fun song. We can do a little bit of this. And okay, good. Until we engage our intellect and our thinking and our emotions, at best we've just thought without expression. Or if we just engage our expression, we have expressed and emoted without thought and without intellect. We're just emoting because it's a, it's got some sort of really great beat, and I just want to clap. What is that? That's not worship either. We have to engage our thought of who God is and what he has done, and we have to engage our emotion. Because can you sit and truly contemplate who God is and what he's done and not have an emotion? When I think about just the last week and how my wife has interacted with me and what I deserve based upon my attitude and my responses to her, oh my goodness, I can't think but have an emotion of gratefulness. Like, wow, the Lord really knew what he was doing when he gave me my wife, right? Because she is so gracious and patient, and I do not deserve the love that she gives me. <laughs> and I can't help but have an emotional response. I get a smile on my face. I'm like, oh, thank you. Because I know who I am. I know the crummy guy that I am on most days. I know what comes out of me. And there's an emotion when I think about how amazingly special my wife is. Is there an even greater emotion that comes out of us when we think and contemplate who God is and what he's done? Think about the way he's loved you. Think about this grace he's lavished upon you. Think about his mercy. Think about he has taken those dark moments of your life and given you hope and light in them. Think about that. Think about how he has kept things together, even the things that we've unraveled, how he's allowed us to stay steady. Think about all that he's done, not just in your life, because that might be too small of a glimpse. And I'll tell you, it is too small of a glimpse. Think about all he's done throughout all of Scripture. Think about all he's done throughout all time. Think about what he is still to do. Think about his eternal presence. Think about his vastness, his knowledge, his everything that he is. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is everywhere, ever-present, all the time. When we begin to contemplate that, it shocks us, it stuns us, it puts us in an entirely different place. There is an emotional response that comes from that intellectual moment. Let me read this to you real quick. From the Psalms 111. It says, praise the Lord, and I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. 
How gracious and merciful is our Lord. Are you ever at times contemplating the Lord and you want to just fall to your knees? Do you ever find yourself sometimes? I was in a room and we were in the middle of prayer. One of my senior pastors did something that just absolutely humbled me and also embarrassed me because I don't know if I'd be willing to do that. And I had to get my relationship right with Christ immediately. Suddenly I looked at him and he was flat on his face while he was praying. And it was the only place he could be. And for him, it was this moment of total surrender. And here he is surrounded by all sorts of people and we're all just praying. And he couldn't get close enough to God and he couldn't find a posture of surrender that was greater than to lay his face on the floor. That same senior pastor, when he found out that um, this church was talking to me about coming here, he was overcome with emotion and tears. And he dropped to his knees and put his face to my feet and began to pray over me and to thank the Lord for what he was doing. Are you ever drawn to such a response? Are you ever drawn to such a place of worship when you think about the greatness of God? Not just when you get stirred up by a song, but when you contemplate the greatness of a song. I put a string of passages together from 1 Chronicles 16. It says this, Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Do we do that? Do we give to the Lord the glory he deserves? Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all of his holy splendor. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful one endures forever. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people shouted, shouted. All the people shouted, amen. Which means I agree. Amen. When was the last time you shouted in church? When was the last time you contemplated the Lord and you contemplated his greatness and his majesty and you had to shout? When was the last time that you were contemplating the Lord and maybe you were reading a psalm, which most of them were actually songs, and you even began to put your own melody to some of those psalms, and you found yourself moving a little bit because you were so overly excited about who God was and what he's done? Or a smile came on your face and you let that smile just rip because of who God is and what he's done? When was that last time? Michael, why don't you guys come back up here? And I'm going to close our time as we talked about worship on the first day. And then we're going to just go back into a place of musical worship. And I hope you'll contemplate each of the songs. I hope you'll contemplate the passages we've read. And I hope it'll bring you to a place of worship. But I want to read this excerpt from Chris Tomlin's book. Uh, Micah actually introduced it to us during our uh, devotions. And I couldn't wait to read it, so I grabbed it. And it was pretty exciting what I read. Let me just share this with you. Is there any more natural expression of excitement, wonder, or awe than raising your hands? Whether it's the excitement that comes when your favorite sport team scores a goal, the joy of receiving an unexpected promotion, or the elation that comes from a declaration of victory in battle, 
Aren't we prone to expressing enthusiasm with the upshot of hands? It's almost a primal instinct, something coded in our DNA. And regardless of the language you speak, the color of your skin, country of origin, haven't you felt the urge? Yes! You've done it before. Every one of us in this room have done it before. Amen! As the assembly shouted in agreement to God's character and nature. What I'm not trying to do is to get us all to raise our hands. It doesn't matter to me how you come to him in worship. But are you engaging your mind, your thoughts of him and who he is, and your emotion? And are you willing to let yourself be even more expressive and even more undignified to him than you are at every other junction of your life? In the same way, Hebrew people showed their excitement, their enthusiasm for God in praise and worship by raising their hands. This posture of worship is expressed in the Psalms by the Hebrew, Hebrew word yada. Yada. Yada is one of seven words translated in the Old Testament as praise. You ready for this? It is found over 111 times in the Old Testament. Yada! We praise our Lord. He is good and worthy of our praise. It is defined as hands extended or to throw out the hand. In the context of praise, Yada describes those moments when the Hebrew people were over, so overcome by the glory of the Lord that their hands shot upwards in response. I surrender all and you are Lord. It could be the hands of your heart. It could be your literal hands. But if we are in worship, that means we are contemplating the Lord's goodness and his greatness. We are contemplating his vastness. We are contemplating his love and mercy. May it be that the first part of our week as we gather together, listen to the word, challenged in the word, that we're praying together, that we're so engaged in who God is that we can't help but to yada in praise. And that there's an intellectual response from the truth of who God is that lets itself out in an emotional expression, whether through song or through a hug with my brother or my sister or through a gentle movement of our bodies or through dancing or whatever it should happen to be. David was willing to be criticized as he danced through the streets, something the king would not do, but he did it unto the Lord. For the greatness of the Lord had been on display, and how could he do anything but to dance with great joy and worship? Give the first part of your week. Don't forsake meeting in the assembly. Order your week from the very beginning and start it with worship. Because we believe. We believe in who you are and your greatness and your vastness. We believe in your majesty. We believe in your 
perfect love and your mercy and your grace. We believe in your salvation. We believe that you have overcome this world. We believe that there is an eternity waiting for us. We believe that you will never leave nor forsake us. We believe that you have always been there and you will always be there. We believe that you have us. We believe that you will uphold us. We believe that you will strengthen us. We believe that you will guide us. We believe that you have always done that. We believe that you are the great God never to be conquered. We believe, we believe, Father, in who you are and what you do. And we are thankful and grateful that you would call us your sons and your daughters. And in that, Father, we we proclaim our praise and our worship and our adoration of you. We are your devoted people. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Please have a seat just for a quick second. It's been so good worshiping with you this morning. And... uh, Yada, it means to praise. But that part of the word, that part of praise, means that I throw my hands up. What's the, what's the Rams coach's name? McVeigh. They scored. The Rams scored. And they busted through on the one-yard line, and they scored. It was fourth down, and they did it. And there was the coach on the sideline, and he did he looked at his lineman and he goes, yes. He looked at his running back and he goes, yes. And he looked at big old Jared Goff and he looked at him and he goes, yes. And it was a stupid football game. May we look into the presence and the heart of our Lord because we wake up with him every morning. <laughs> we jump into the word and see his greatness because we spend time in communication with him and the Lord of the universe speaks to us. Because we give him our schedule and he does so much better than we do. Because we gather together the first day of every week for worship. That continues throughout every day. But because of our time in the word and because we know who God is, suddenly we gather in a place like this. And Micah and the band and and other people are able to go, yes! Maybe it will be in your car. Maybe it will be at your kitchen table. Maybe it will be in your office. I don't know where it will be. But when the Lord overwhelms you. May you praise him. Whether it be with your hands flying up, or your knees hitting the ground, or your face to the floor, or your smile extending beyond your ears. Yada. May you praise him and worship him. And that will, of course, bring the last point that just enjoy the scripture that I gave you, which is that we give him the first of our, our finances and resources. Listen, you can't worship God. And you can't have more to your life. You can't be in the word and prayer without that affecting everything else. Here's what I have, Lord. It's yours. How will you use it? Enjoy your journey. We'll see you back next week, okay? And then throughout the week, love each other. And let's belong to one another. And let's worship our Lord. Have a great week.